فَإِذَا قَضَيْتُمُ الصَّلَاةَ Then when you have performed the prayer, فَذْكُرُ اللَّهَ Then remember Allah قِيَامًا While standing, plural of قَائِمْ وَقُعُودًا While sitting, قُعُود plural of قَاعِدْ وَعَلَى جُنُوبِكُمْ And on your sides, جُنُوب plural of jump. What does this mean? That after Salatul Khawf is over, when you've performed the fear prayer and you go back to your positions in battle, then what should you do? Remember Allah in every situation. Meaning, remember Him through various ways. Tasbih, takbir, dua, shukr, different ways of remembering Him throughout your activities, wherever you are. So what does this teach us? That remembrance of Allah is not just limited to prayer, but even outside of prayer. But sometimes what happens? We say the salam, and immediately, which is why in a masjid, as soon as the imam says salam at Jum'ah, what happens? All of a sudden it's as if you are at some flea market. People start talking and talking and talking. And then because people are so busy talking and so busy leaving, the management is forced to make the announcements at that time. Depriving themselves of remembering Allah and depriving the rest of the people of you know, focusing on the remembrance of Allah. But what do we learn? That after the salah is over, one should busy himself or herself in the remembrance of Allah. So after the salam, what are we supposed to say? Allahu Akbar. Astaghfirullah. 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 And all of the various adhkar. And all those adhkar include saying subhanallah, alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar. 33 times each and Allahu Akbar how many times? 34 times. So this is remembering Allah. So fadkurullah, remember Allah. And another meaning of this ayah is that when you are out of the state, فَإِذَا قَضَيْتُمُ الصَّلَاةَ okay, When you are out of the state of fear, when you've completed that, then when you are safe, then فَذْكُرُ اللَّهَ Remember Allah, meaning perform the salah. How? Standing like you normally do. And if that's not possible, then sitting. And if that's not possible because of your illness, then how will you pray? وَعَلَى جُنُوبِكُمْ But you have to pray. فَإِذَا طَمَأْنَنْتُمْ Then when you feel secure from اطْمِئْنَانْ طَمِيمْ هَمْزَ نُون That when you are secure, then what do you do? فَأَقِيمُ الصَّلَاةَ Then establish the prayer like you normally do. When there's no sickness stopping you, no health issue stopping you, no fear stopping you, nothing preventing you, then you have to pray properly as you normally do. When? At the right time. Because إِنَّ الصَّلَاةَ Indeed the prayer... Kanat it is Alal Mu'minina upon the believers Kitaban a decree. Kitaban means over here a decree, meaning an obligation. What kind of a decree? What kind of an obligation? It is Mawkuta. Time bound. Specified times. Mawkut is from waqt. Wawqafta. What does waqt mean? Time. Waqata yaqidu is to specify the time of something, to appoint the time for an action. To fix it. That at this time, at 10 o'clock, the class will begin. Okay? So this is what? Mawqut. This is an action whose time is fixed. So salah is an obligation whose performance is time bound. So you cannot pray all of the five prayers in the morning. Nor can you pray all of the five prayers before you go to bed. No. You have to pray at the specified times. You cannot change the times. You cannot delay the performance of prayer. You have to pray at the time that has been specified for the prayer. Why? Is there any benefit in this? 
Because sometimes we feel it's so hard. It would be so much easier if we just had to five prayers whenever we wanted. Why has Allah specified the times? Is there any benefit in this? Hmm? Time management. It really teaches us time management. Think about it. If you were taking a course, okay, or doing something for which you have not specified the time, which means that you take it at your own pace, whenever you feel like it, you can take the tests, whenever you feel like it, you can take the assignments, then when will you complete that course? Never. Isn't it? Think about it. I'm sure there's so many good lectures that you have told yourself about that I'm going to listen to this. I'm going to listen to this series, I'm going to listen to that series, I'm going to read this book, I'm going to read that book. Isn't it? But have you been able to read them and listen to them? No. Why? Because every day you tell yourself, tomorrow, next week, next month, when my exams are done, when such and such happens, then I'll do it. Isn't it so? We keep delaying, we keep deferring. But when the time is fixed, you have a deadline that by 12 o'clock on Friday night, you have to submit your assignment. Then what will you do? What will you do? You will do anything to submit it. Isn't it? So when the time is fixed, then you're actually able to perform it. When the time is not fixed, then you end up leaving it. You end up, you know, missing it. So this is the reason why, إِنَّ الصَّلَاةَ كَانَتْ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِينَ كِتَابًا مَوْقُوتًا And also think about it. When you remember Allah by performing the five prayers at their designated times, and what happens? The whole day you remember Allah. You remember Him in the morning, you remember Him early afternoon, you remember Him late afternoon in the evening, you remember Him at sunset, you remember Him before you go to sleep. So what happens? 24 hours, you remember Allah. But when you don't remember Allah throughout the day, and you just pray salah at the end of the day, then what happens? What happens? That kind of remembrance is not that beneficial. The question is that when the times of prayers are fixed, then in a situation where Isha is extremely late, Fajr is extremely early, night is very short, at that time what are you supposed to do? Can you pray a salah before its due time? Or can you not do that? Remember that in our religion there is a principle that difficulty brings ease. Difficulty brings ease. Which is why when a person is traveling, it is difficult to pray the whole four rak'ah. It is difficult to pray you know, at a particular time. This is why you have the ease of shortening the prayer and also the option of joining the prayers. Okay? Likewise, where there is a situation where there is a child who is 10 years old, technically they are supposed to be praying all of their five prayers. Okay? Isn't it so? And for this child, if you make him stay up until 11 p.m. to pray their Isha, and then you wake them up again at 4 a.m. to pray their Fajr, how many children are going to be able to do this? They're not going to be able to do this. So this is the reason why in a situation like this, where a person is unwell, where they're sick, or they're too young, or they're too old, like for example, I know of a lady, she's extremely old, if she tries to stay up until 11 p.m. to perform her Isha, she will not be able to sleep at all. 
Because when she gets sleepy, she has to sleep then. She's on very strong medication, on sleeping pills basically. And if she doesn't take them with her meal and sleep soon after that, she won't be able to sleep the whole night long. The whole night long. So in a situation like that, difficulty brings ease. Alright? So in this situation, if a person combines Maghrib and Isha, because of a genuine reason, there is no harm. We know that at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, there was a lady who would bleed excessively, even outside of her menstruation. So she inquired as to what she should do, and the Prophet ﷺ told her that she should pray, but before she prays, she should wash herself. So what would she do? She would take a bath before she would pray salah. And she wouldn't bathe five times a day to pray at five different times. Rather, she would join the prayers. So Zuhur, Asr together, Maghrib, Isha together. So this way she would take three baths and then perform salah like that. Okay? So this was in her situation, but we see that even though she was a resident at home, but because of health issues, because of tahara issues, she felt more comfortable taking a bath and then praying, although taking a bath is not mandatory. But she felt more comfortable doing that. So because of that reason, what would she do? She would join the prayers. So likewise, old age, sickness, in this situation, it's better to pray jamr as opposed to missing the prayer completely. You understand? Okay? The Prophet ﷺ was asked, which deed is the best? And he replied, prayer done on time. That is the best deed. I have a question for you about qasr, about shortening the prayer. That when a person is shortening the prayer in travel, then are they also supposed to perform their sunnah? Yes, no, yes, no. Okay, what's the answer? No. Ibn Umar anhu, when he was traveling once, he would perform the qasr salah, two rakah. After his adhkar, he would just get up and go about doing his things. So someone said to him, if you pray two more rakah, then what harm would you suffer? Meaning, why don't you just pray two sunnah? What's the harm? Why didn't you do that? He said, if I had to, then I would have prayed my full four fard. Okay? So when you are to shorten the fard, then the sunnah, you're not obligated to perform. Okay? Whether it's mu'akkada or ghayr mu'akkada, whichever one, you're not supposed to perform. Only the fard you are to perform when you're traveling and you shorten that. وَلَا tahinu. And do not weaken. لَا tahinu. وَوْهَنُونَ وَهَن What does wahan mean? Weakness, whether it is emotional or mental or physical. And basically it starts from the weakness of the heart. Because when you're feeling weak inside, then what will happen? You will lack physical strength as well. Isn't it? When you're feeling low, when you're feeling down, then what happens? You don't have any energy. Correct? When you want to rest, when you want to sleep, then your body doesn't want to get up either. Right? Even though you've slept six hours, you've slept eight hours, but still your body is as though it never slept. Why? Because the problem is where? In the heart. So Allah says, La tahinu. Don't feel weak. Be strong. Be brave. Have courage. Wala tahinu. Do not be lazy. Do not fall behind. Do not be feeble. Do not be weak. In doing what? Fi in ibtigha'il qawmi. In pursuit of the enemy. Meaning when the enemy comes before you, you have to face the enemy, then don't pity yourself over there. Don't lose heart over there. Don't lose courage over there. 
Rather, be strong, be brave, be courageous. Because in a situation like this, when you feel that, oh, I also have to pray, I'm still not exempt from praying, then what happens? You get so stressed out, and you feel so bad for yourself, that you kind of lose your courage and determination. Hmm? That you feel that because I have to pray and because I have to do this, this is the reason why I can't do my work properly. Have you ever made this excuse for yourself? Because I have to pray, that's why I can't do my homework. That's why I can't study for the test. I can't do this. Because it's Ramadan and we're fasting, this is why I can't go to school. Right? This is why I can't come to class. Many times it happens that when we have religious obligations, religious duties, we start pitying ourselves. And because of that, we lose confidence. We lose confidence. When you lose confidence and you can't face the situation, you can't deal with the problem at hand. Allah says, وَلَا تَهِنُوا فِي ابْتِغَاءِ الْقَوْمِ Do not be weak in pursuit of the enemy. When you're confronting the enemy, when you're facing the enemy, then be strong, be determined. Don't become weaklings. And remember that in تَكُونُوا تَأْلَمُونَ If you suffer pain, تَأْلَمُونَ From alam, hamza, lam, meem. What does that mean? Pain. Remember, alim, painful. So if you suffer pain, if you're tired, if you're hurting, if you're exhausted, فَإِنَّهُمْ Then indeed they, meaning your enemy, يَأْلَمُونَ Even they suffer pain, كَمَا تَأْلَمُونَ Just as you're suffering from pain. If you're tired, they're tired too. If you're injured, they're injured too. If you're bruised, they're bruised too. If you lost someone, they lost someone too. Isn't that so? Think about it. Any game, any competition. If you're getting tired, think about the enemy. Aren't they getting tired? Think about the one whom you're playing with, your opponent. Aren't they getting tired? Of course. So why do you pity yourself? You want to win. And when you want to win, then you can't pity yourself. Both of you are equal in your suffering. You want to say something? Like for me, I used to play rugby and it's a really difficult sport. And every time I was on the field and I really wanted to kind of give up because I was really tired, I thought about the other team and how tired they would be and that kind of, that kind of uh, gave me motivation yes. to um, yes. try harder. And Very try true. Score. Very true. And this is why you see that sportsmen when they're playing, sometimes they're so much into their game that they may be bleeding from one side, they may have a bruise, or they may have broken something, but they're so much into that game, they don't even feel what's happening. And later on, they see the consequences. Right? So when you're motivated to win, then your pain cannot stop you. Isn't it so? Your pain cannot stop you. Many times it happens that a person may be you know, in an accident or something, and they have this drive, I have to save myself. I have to get out of here. I have to get out of here. And what happens? Even though they're limping, even though a part of their body is bleeding profusely, still what happens? They keep going, keep going, keep going. Correct? So likewise, when the enemy is before you, and you have to win, that is your goal, then don't pity yourself over there. Oh, my finger is hurting. Oh, my legs are hurting. No. 
Don't pity yourself over there. Remember that they suffer just like you're suffering. But there is a difference in you and them. And what is that difference? That وَتَرْجُونَ That you hope, you look forward to, you expect مِنَ Allah from Allah مَا لَا يَرْجُونَ What they're not expecting. You are hopeful to receive something from Allah for your suffering, for your effort that they're not expecting. Because remember that even the prick of a thorn that a person suffers in the way of Allah, then he is rewarded for it. But a person who doesn't believe in Allah, when he suffers the prick of a thorn, does he expect reward from Allah? No, he doesn't. Then what is moving him? What is motivating him? His goal. So you have a goal to look forward to, And you also expect reward from Allah. You hope that Allah will compensate you for every little bit that you suffer in His way. In Surah At-Tawbah we learn that when a person goes out in the way of Allah, then even when he is thirsty, he is rewarded. إِلَّا كُتِبَ لَهُمْ بِهِ عَمَلٌ صَالِحٌ Except that a good deed is written for them for it. For that thirst they suffer in the way of Allah. Every step they take, every step they take, they are rewarded for it. So when you hope for reward from Allah, then this is how you perform? Lazy and weak and having self-pity. Come on. When you want reward from Allah, then put in some effort. Do your best. Think about it. When you want someone to be happy from you, even though you're really tired and exhausted, still, what will you do? You will stay on your feet and you will keep working and working and working. Why? Because you want them to be happy. If you want to please your boss, you want to be promoted at work, then what will you do? Clock in and clock out? Nine to five, that's it? No. You will get your work done. You will take it home. You will do it on the weekends. You will stay after hours. Why? Because you want something in return. Isn't it? You want something in return. So likewise, when you are hoping for a reward from Allah, then please, do your best. وَتَرْجُونَ مِنَ اللَّهِ مَا لَا يَرْجُونَ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ عَلِيمًا حَكِيمًا And Allah is knowing, He is wise. Meaning He knows exactly what effort you're putting in. And Hakim from hukum, wisdom as well as judgment. That whatever judgment He makes, that is the best judgment. So whatever He decides for you, that's it. So you better do your best to make Him happy. Don't pity yourself. Let's listen to the recitation. وَإِذَا ضَرَبْتُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ فَلَيْسَ عَلَيْكُمْ جُنَاحٌ أَن تَقْصُرُوا مِنَ الصَّلَاةِ إِنْ خِفْتُمْ إِنْ خِفْتُمْ أَن يَفْتِنَكُمُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا إِنَّ الْكَافِرِينَ كَانُوا لَكُمْ عَدُوًّا مُبِينًا وَإِذَا كُنْتَ فِيهِمْ فَأَقَمْتَ لَهُمُ الصَّلَاةَ فَلْتَقُمْ طَائِفَةٌ مِّنْهُمْ مَعَكَ فَلْتَقُمْ طَائِفَةٌ مِّنْهُمْ مَعَكَ وَلْيَأْخُذُوا أَسْلِحَتَهُمْ فَإِذَا سَجَدُوا فَلْيَكُونُوا فَإِذَا سَجَدُوا فَلْيَكُونُوا مِنْ وَرَاءِ 
How much do people suffer for the sake of this dunya? For success in this world? How much do people suffer? Any idea? How much is a lot? What kind of suffering? Hmm? Yes. Sometimes they don't even eat food while they're like doing something for the dunya and they just forget everything. So no food, no drinks. And just continue their work. Very true. That sometimes you see that and even it happens with us. I don't know if it happens with you, but it happens with me sometimes. I'm so busy in doing something that I forget to eat. And then yesterday it happened with me that around 6 o'clock, I was like, why am I feeling so sleepy? Okay, Why are my eyes being so dry? And I remembered I hadn't had water since breakfast. I completely forgot. I completely forgot. And it happens with people that when they're busy in something, they forget to eat, they forget to take care of themselves, they neglect their health, they neglect their house, they neglect their body, their clothes, everything. Why? Because their mission is so important to them, it's their highest priority that everything becomes secondary. Everything else becomes secondary. Then you don't pity yourself. Because if you pity yourself, then you won't be able to do the work. Isn't it so? So when... People suffer so much for this world, for worldly success, then what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say to us? That you should suffer as well for His sake. Especially when you want something from Him. When you want reward from Allah, then do something that will bring that reward. I was just thinking about how people will 
compromise on their dunya things so that they can achieve something higher, like in worldly, how they compromise on their deen studies so that they can, um, like, study for their, you know, dunya. And I was just thinking about, like, how some people, like, they will miss out on class on the weekends because they have, like, exams or something coming up. And I know I was saying the same thing last week, but then I was like, there's no point in, like, skipping class today if, like, I'm not even, you know, it's just better to come. Because then I've noticed this myself. If you're able to maintain a balance between both your Islamic studies and your school studies, you're going to do a lot better in both. Yeah, very true. And stop pitying yourself. Really, stop pitying yourself. Because people who pity themselves cannot go farther. So be confident, be courageous, don't pity yourself. When you suffer in the way of Allah, say, it's okay. Allah will give me reward for this, inshallah. There was someone who, whose finger got cut or something, amputated or something in the way of Allah. And they would say to their finger that you're only a finger. I don't remember the exact words of poetry, but they said words of poetry. That it's not a big deal, you're only a finger. So if you bleed in the way of Allah, if you're gone in the way of Allah, it's okay. Allah will give me something better. Assalamu alaikum. A lot of the times when you think about like the world's geniuses and those who have really achieved a lot in the world, and when you actually study and research on how they've arrived where they have, you see the amount of work, the amount of hours that mm-hmm. they put into what they've done. I was reading this book about Bill Gates and how he'd started up Microsoft. So there's this theory that if you do 10,000 hours of work for something, then you basically become a master of it. And the person who had written the book was explaining how in his teenage years, and like he was, he was still a teenager at this time, but he spent almost whole days in the computer lab just programming. Yes. And that in like a few years, he completed the 10,000 hours because he was just so focused on what he was doing yes. and the amount of effort and work that he had to put in. Yes. And this goes for like all the people who have achieved something today. They've worked so hard to reach where they have. Very true. Think about all these Nobel Prize winners. You think they just get chosen like that and they're given a prize and they're honored? No. There's years and years of effort and sacrifice. Yesterday we learned about the importance of sacrifice, right? Struggling for the cause of Allah. So when you're struggling for the cause of Allah, don't pity yourself. Then we have the other extremes who also say that they work for the sake of Allah, but then they're so focused on what they're doing, they miss Salah. They don't necessarily uh, pray on time. They yes. don't necessarily uh, pay the Fulfill their obligations. Yes. Yeah. So that's also something we really need to pay attention to. Definitely. Assalamu alaikum. If we do for the sake of Allah, it will become easy. The hardest thing is it become easy. Yes. This is very true. When you're doing something for the sake of Allah, then the hardest thing becomes easy as well. Because the thing is that when you have your goal, right, and you're driven to achieve that goal, then everything else becomes secondary and it doesn't pinch you, it doesn't bother you, it doesn't hurt you anymore. Because the excitement that you have of achieving your goal, the motivation that you have to get there, that kind of makes you forget about everything else. And when your goal, when your focus is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His reward, then definitely this should be enough to make you forget all that you're suffering in His way. I remember the hadith where the angels attend a gathering and when they go up, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks them about what the people were doing and 
Then he says, what would they do if they had seen Jannah? So we got to think of, you know, what it's like. The problem is that we imagine a lot of other things, but we don't sit every day and imagine what Jannah will be like. What will I do over there and long for it and ask for it? If we do that every day, then inshallah, Jannah will ask for us. Yesterday when we learned about uh, the importance of sacrificing for the cause of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after class when I went, I saw that some people were just sitting in the Tajweed class without even their Qur'an open. Some of them had their Qur'an, but they did, had no idea what was being recited. Other people were busy on their phones. Some people were snacking in the cafeteria. And to every single person, I reminded them about sacrificing for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Because... Think about it. When you're at the mall, don't you get thirsty? Don't you get hungry? But then what do you tell yourself? It's okay, let me just go to this store. Let me just go to this store. One more store. One more store. One more store. You're standing in the line. And you know it's going to take at least 15 minutes for you to get to the cash. But at that time, what do you tell yourself? It's okay. It doesn't matter. I know I'm really tired. I know I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. And then you're wondering where you're going to go eat, what you're going to go grab. But what do you do? You stay where you are because you don't want to miss it. So when we can get thirsty and hungry and tired in the mall, and we can delay our food until we're done shopping, then why not for 15 more minutes until the end of class? Five more minutes, just half an hour more, just one hour more. It's not really a big deal. When we can wait for so long, then why can't we wait for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? In my family, there's an uncle who's um, in not a good condition. The doctor said that he's not going to survive. And um, he's, mashallah, very wealthy, and uh, he doesn't have children. So his brother's children, he gave um, each child, God, like a huge mansion, not a small house, like big houses. One daughter got like a whole hospital and something. And still other family members have a lot of stuff that they will get, the brothers and sisters. Still they're saying, that's all. That's all is going to give it to me. And you know, like they're fighting over it. And subhanAllah, I was thinking like, this man who got so much wealth, I'm sure he has put in a lot of energy, effort, and who knows, God knows what, in all the wealth that he has got. Now he's taking with him nothing. And people who are even getting stuff for free, who are not even going to appreciate it, are not appreciating and not even going to take care of the precious things that he has made, they're still not satisfied. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not even do zulm on us, fatila, as we learn, right? In the least, like, itna sabi. And our efforts towards Allah is nothing. That for the sake of dunya, how much effort do we put? And think about it, when we are cleaning our house, when we are writing something for school, how much physical effort, how much mental effort we exert. But what do we get at the end? A few marks, right? A degree at the end? Maybe a clean house, which is going to get dirty within the next few days, within the next few minutes probably. But we put in so much effort. So when we want something from Allah, then let's put in some more effort. 
I just wanted to point out that right now in school season, it's exam time. And everyone finds that, you know, when it comes uh, time for the exam, everyone has to cram. So everyone can easily pull off all-nighters. They'll, you know, take their coffees and they'll sit there and they'll write their final papers and they'll study for their exams. And it's easy for us. But when we think about getting up for fajr on normal days, it's so difficult for us to imagine, right, that we have to get up and pray fajr at this time. Right? And when it comes for our exam, right, studying for exam, no, no, I have to. Yeah. Right? It's because we think that that is so important that you must do it. And for Fajr, we're like, it's okay. Yeah. It, the thing is that we have accepted it. That we have to study. We have to prepare. We have to pass. We have to score well. We've accepted it. Once you've accepted something, once you've embraced it, then you put the due effort. But when you don't accept it, then you can't put in the effort for it that we really forget to put in the effort. We just say that, no, it's too much, I can't do it. Like, we don't even try. So that's another thing that we need to really work on. Definitely. I remember when I first studied this verse, I was still in high school. And when I went back to school after completing my study of the Qur'an, I remember that I became so serious in my studies because I would see all these people around me who were studying. They were studying for the dunya. And even I'm studying dunya things. But... I have a different goal. I don't want that by the end I have a degree and then I have some worldly success and some worldly fame. No, my goal is that whatever I learn, whatever I accomplish, with this I want to serve the deen of Allah. This is my goal. And I remember every day I would tell myself, they're suffering too. They're studying hard too. I have to do more. Or at least the same. Because I want reward from Allah. So my effort be definitely worth it. Go ahead. I know how my mom tells me to balance with the deen and the dunya to pray on time and then I will have ease in my homework and everything. And since it's the end of the school year, we have a lot of tests and homework and that's what I've been trying to do. And all my homework, all my tests, they've become easier. I'm starting to get good marks. Alhamdulillah. This is true. Because when you are giving the haqq of Allah, when you're striving as you should be striving, then Allah creates ease for you as well. وَلَيَنصُرَنَّ اللَّهُ مَنْ يَنصُرُهُ Allah will definitely help the one who helps his cause. Allah will definitely support the one who supports his cause. Assalamu alaikum. Um, I was just thinking that many times we hear such success stories and we're like, mashallah, my sister did this and that. But we often don't end up thinking that what if like I did that? Yes. And if we adopt that mindset that, you know what, I want to do this, then Allah will make it easier. So when reading all of these verses, I was thinking that many times I say, mashallah for this and that and how this sister's doing that much and how she's balancing both her homework and she's having success in the, you know, with her Islamic studies. But I never think that what if maybe I could do that too. If she can and I have it, to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And if she can manage and she's going through that hard time, maybe I can do it too. Of course. Always remember, other people do it too. If they're suffering, then I have to suffer too. It's part of the package. right? It's part of the deal. So if I want to get somewhere, I have to put in the due effort. So if you think about it, this verse, what it does is that it changes your perspective. right? From pitying yourself, accepting mediocrity, to... Wanting the best. It should move you from being a low achiever, from being an average achiever to a high achiever. Okay? That now we don't want to just be average. We want to excel. Because we want reward from Allah. Subhanakallahumu bihamdika. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.